Welcome to Penny Earful, the officially unofficial podcast for Showtime's gothic horror television series, Penny Dreadful, brought to you by BaldMove.com. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we are talking about episode 302, Predators Far and Near, across the ocean to America, right in our own backyard, monsters here, there, everywhere. Uh, what do you think, before we talk about, uh, I, I've got, just, just so you know, my notes have uh, five minutes of gloating. Just unrestrained gloating marked out. Oh my gosh, so we'll get that's to that. all I have is in my notes. Oh, okay. Just all gloating. Well, maybe we can keep to five minutes. But before we get to that, uh, what did you think about the episode? I thought this was a great episode. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's mostly because I'm right, but uh, I thought it was really nice. Yeah, I liked it too. I'm a little let down that uh. Dr. Sweet is... Um, Dracula, not just because your head is swollen four or five times its human proportions. But no, I thought that was funny is that this week, even up to the point where she asked him out to coffee, I was like, wow, my theory was so dumb. Uh-huh. I didn't even believe it when I pitched it last episode. I was like, what if what seems, this happened? It, but It seems like a lot of people have agreed with that in, and a lot more in retrospect. But I still like, I guess I was poisoned by someone on the forum saying that I'm wanting to see this turn into a Dr. Moreau type character. Ooh, interesting. I'm, I'm not like, oh. really familiar with that character. Well, he's just this guy who makes these uh, you know, human-animal hybrid creatures. Like that Val Kilmer movie? Exa- yes, that is, the doc- that is the island of Dr. Moreau, yeah. Oh, I thought that that had some sort of literary... Mm-hmm. Uh, beginnings as well oh and no it does it does but that's just a modern that's like the remake of the remake of the novel or whatever oh well then i just blocked it out entirely uh but i i was kind of excited to see that the fact that he and he just there's a lot of things in this character that i don't really understand how it fits in with him being dracula but i'm not like super disappointed or hating it i'm just saying i was a little taken aback because i was expecting dr moreau and for him to be you know, this other interesting standalone character, and now he's Dracula. So, okay. For me, my big hang-up on this episode, if I have one at all, is I don't understand Brona and Dorian's play here. Well, that's the thing, because I feel like I'm totally on board with what they're doing, whereas last season I thought they were going to be existential threat to the human race. Yeah. And I don't know whether they didn't exactly know what they were going to do. And then they were watching, you know, Brona's uh, slash Lily's speech to Frankenstein, where she's essentially, you know, paraphrasing what she said to the, the you know, the, the unfortunate either BDSM actress or snuff film victim. Uh, you know, this 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 thing about how the brutality of men have, has to end there. It's essentially the early feminism is what... <laughs> We're seeing the birth of here. Right. I'm all for her making an army of feminists. I get it, but I don't know why. That seems like a radical departure for where I thought she was going last season. And also, I felt like they walked back some things. Like I felt like that her and Dr. Frankenstein were on kill on sight terms from the jump. I mean, and now Frankenstein's like, why... Maybe she's got a pet now and she's taking pity on how pathetic he looks. I mean, he... He really did go deep into the heroin. For sure. Since they've seen each other last. But but what I'm saying is that he essentially had like he MacGrubered. Like his one advantage is that she was he wasn't really on her radar at this point. Right. Now, you know, he's gotta drag her to this laboratory to administer medicine. To, I, I just don't see how this is gonna go down with him throwing away his biggest advantage where he could have gotten close to her 
apparently anytime he wanted to with a syringe and shot 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 her up. Now I don't know. Can't go down that way. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of all the problems. The rest of the stuff I thought was pretty good. Right. Um, speaking of, so we had a difference of opinion about what we saw in the first of this episode. I thought that we were seeing like a Victorian era BDSM club because I didn't find I didn't seem like the 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 quote unquote victim. It didn't seem like she was afraid, and she was kind of playfully spitting in this guy's face. And then he goes and he's caressing the pinchers and the pliers and the the rusty maces, but he grabs the riding crop. Right. And I'm like, okay, this is essentially Betty Page. And these are a bunch of Victorian Aaron gentlemen that are there to get their boners on. And they're, you know, but there's not going to be someone getting murdered. I think a lot of people on the internet, including you, uh, are saying that they thought that was like a genuine Victorian era snuff den. Yes, absolutely. He said, we butcher them. But that's what Before he would say to can- two dandies, I think. Well, I disagree. Okay. Um, I think that she was not a willing participant based on how covered in bruises she was, how victimized she seemed when she was coalescing with uh, Lily, I guess, later in the episode about how she had been a victim of men, how they both had for all their lives. Yeah, but I think that's like, you could say the same thing about Brona, but she's also will as a willing participant in a lot of the... You know, pay, I sure he grabbed the riding crop, but how many other torture implements did he have to choose from? Well, you don't the other start thing is, again, by just bashing someone's head in. Sure, That's sure. Not fun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm granting that that is a valid interpretation. I'm just saying that she didn't seem afraid of him, but in contrast to how afraid she was of of Lily and Dorian Gray after they'd killed everybody in the room. Your victims weren't afraid enough for you. <laughs> You're uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that like I disagree. I mean, that's okay, all I'm saying is fine. I disagree because I think she was afraid. I think she spit in his face because that's literally all she could do. Yeah, that's a. Again. I guess she could have headbutt his chest. She's a very small person. No, I'm not saying to fight back. I'm just saying that like I was entertaining thoughts that it could be real, but the right. I don't know it. And obviously, I don't think Showtime's kind of loud. Well, I don't know why wouldn't Showtime do a snuff if they wanted to. Right, we've seen plenty of dead bodies in this episode alone. Yeah, and... We saw Brona kill someone as she was having sex with them. Sure. Last season. True. Um, okay, so I just wanted to get that out and see what people had to th- had to think, or how had they thought. Think. How they thought when they had to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you want to talk about Ethan's storyline now? Sure. Because there's some interesting things, and I guess we can talk about uh, Sir Malcolm, Ethan, and Kate and A's plot all the same, because it seems like they're going to be intertwined from this point out. Holy shit. What? You pronounced that right? Hey, here's the thing. I got <laughs> Kate practicing. No, I got Kate and A right from the jump. So there isn't this mumbo jumbo of whatever my brain blurted out when I read it first versus, you know, what everybody in the internet tells me it's correct. Like... That's right. a flip of the coin every single time. Whereas I got Kate, and I remember I paused it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spell it, and I'm going to say it. All right, Kate and A. There's no weird fucked up pronunciation competing up there with yep. me. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, they're on the slow boat from Africa to the Americas. Correct. Uh, Sir Malcolm, for being an experienced traveler, I was unprepared for out, how out to sea he was while he was out to sea. I guess... He normally travels by airplane? Well, no. This is in 1892. There is no airplane. 
So or dirigible. So I'm just confused why he says I I opted out of going to South America because I didn't want to get on the boat, but he went to Africa. Well, but you can get to Africa from Europe without taking a boat. Oh it's shit! All connected you're right. By <laughs> shit, you're right. I was I was going in the other I, direction. I mean, you might going... have to take. I I you might. I, no, I think you can just get there. No, yeah, definitely connected through the Middle East and you know, sure. Egypt. Or maybe that. he doesn't consider the Mediterranean like a real proper ocean. Seems like a long way to go, but if you're an adventurer, then... Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a hurry. You're in a hurry to go down there and shoot them lions <laughs> and discover the darkest parts of Africa. I don't know. Uh, but they are talking in their, the the hold of the ship. Mm-hmm. They're and, talking about the nature of the hunt. Yeah. And Kate says that, you know, you can always... Man is an easy target because you just have to find his passions and his appetites, and mm-hmm. that's what will drive him. And he says the Ethan's appetite is the night, which I thought is weird. He said it was his appetite? Yeah. Interesting. So it's like that's, I think I feel like is that a stand-in for like darkness in general? And I, I mean, I guess that your baser instinct feeds on would sure. be your appetite. So as a werewolf, that would be the night. Well, I think it's interesting I that I when Sir Malcolm said... Are all your people so enigmatically and when they, enigmatic speak, when they speak? Yeah. And he's like, yes. And then, oh, my God, the old lady at the end, like, buck, buckle in for some enigmatic dialogue. So let me float what I think is going on here. Okay. Uh, Ethan and his duties as, um, you know, cavalry for the United States, when was involved in some kind of atrocity against Kietne's people and family. Uh, Kate and A cursed him to be a werewolf. The, 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 the shape shift into the form of a werewolf that allowed, that led Ethan to uh, either murder his own men or uh, you know, get get into other otherwise get into trouble. He goes back to Kate and A to beg for release from this curse, and Kate and A says, "No, you got to live with this." Or or that same theory with some mixed up parts. Yes, he does commit all these atrocities. And kill all these people, all of his family members, and he begs Kate tonight to kill him, mm-hmm. but instead he gives him the curse of being a werewolf. Mm. Okay. I mean, it's something along those lines, because... But the, that's, what, that's what, very it, smart. It, what's weird is that uh, I got the impression when Kate and A was telling this to Sir Malcolm that kind of Ethan was this bad guy, and Kate and A is the, the good man to be pitied. But when, you know, Ethan then immediately tries to strangle the man and threatens his life many times for the shit that he did to him. And then later on, you meet Kate and A's family, some old woman that claims to be his relatives. And she says that he's he agrees with Ethan's assessment that he's an old demon and the rest of their people are up in a reservation, Oklahoma, freezing to death or dying or being scattered. It seems like Kate and A's maybe the bad guy. Yeah. Or it could be a very much uh, depends on your point of view kind of thing, right? Which, There's a lot to unpack there. No, no, but I'm I'm kind of fascinated by where they're going and and see if we can get some more information about that. Yeah. Also, what do you think of the comparison between Kate and, a and Ethan and Sir Malcolm and Vanessa? That kind of put another spin on the relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, it's they're almost or they're parallels for sure. Uh huh. Because of how Vanessa and Sir Malcolm hated each other so much, but after being forced to spend so much time together, uh-huh. there's a, a kind of love that grew there. Yeah. Very strange type of love. 
She's kind of his daughter. They're kind of. But how much time? I mean, that's what I'm curious about is how much time have Kate and A and Ethan spent together since this event happened? Because Ethan still seems very much angry about the whole situation. Yeah, and also during this vision quest kind of ceremony thing where he's reaching out and contacting Ethan, he claims that he's an Apache. Like, whatever the whatever curse bound him to the tribe in some real way. And Ethan denies it, and he goes, you know, if you're not an Apache, you're nothing, which took Ethan back, and then he says that you're just the Apache I, know, I need. What does he, he says mean he by that? Blood on his, he says, I have blood on my teeth and blood in my soul. I don't know. It means like he... No, he, no, no. What does he mean by you're the Apache I need? Does he have some other designs for clearly. him once he finds him? Yeah, no. He's wanting to use some him Some kind of somehow. mission? Yeah. Uh, probably in the same way that Sir Malcolm wanted to use Vanessa to help him in his uh, quest for to get his daughter Mina back right. from the undead. So, yeah. like I, I don't know exactly what parallel thing they're doing, especially since Kate and A's people seem to largely be opposed to him and what he's doing, but... Um, all extremely interesting stuff. Also with Ethan's storyline, Hecate shows up? Hecate? Hecate, yeah. Hecate? It's either Hecate or Hecate. It's Hecate, I believe, if we're going with the Latin translation. See, I was going with the Shakespearean. Wasn't that Hecate? Hecate? Yeah, uh... Scholars broadly agree that that's not the way to do it, and I know that they. That's like I know that her from, mother pronounced her name several times last season, but I was not listening or paying attention. That's like being from Kentucky and pronouncing it Versailles. 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 Okay, sure. Maybe that's the way they do it, but that's not the way I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. Well, the locals um, are going to be pissed, just so you know. Not not a Putting fan. On airs. Not a fan of this pairing. Okay. Uh, me either, except for I did some research behind the deity behind the name Hecate. Okay. And she's associated with the moon and... Do- I mean, she's associated with a bunch of shit. Okay. Like wisdom, and she's like one of the... Uh, like Athena of uh, sub-goddesses. But she's especially associated with the moon and dogs. Interesting. So it makes sense that there's something kind of spiritually in her DNA that makes her attracted to... The uh, lupus day, day and also the lupus day to be because Ethan's no more in no more control than he was last year of himself because he just butchers everybody tried to warn the old woman to get out. That's true, man. He paused multiple times. He didn't attack the witch. He but I'm saying the he he killed everyone in that room that wasn't the witch, which makes me think that there might be some kind of bond or magic at work there. Well, sure, but he also freezed and had some sort of presence of mind while he was doing it the same well, he sort had a of gun pointed at him the same sort of presence of mind that could have stopped him from killing sembene so he freezes for the witch but not her he had no connection to him but i'm saying the witch could be using her magic powers on him like she could have just, you know rubbed wolfsbane on her body or i don't think so i don't know smacked his nose as a spiritual newspaper i it's some demon, some demonic newspaper. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying that, like, I think that if he kills everyone in the room except for the witch, then I'm just keeping it open that I'm there might be that some witchy he stuff very at work. Mu- he very much would have intended on killing those people anyway. Sure, if he of course broken out as a human. Of course, uh, <laughs> but uh, so the other thing is he's going to his. He announces the fact that he's going to to his dad and set that reckoning straight. Is he going to wait 28 days? Uh, or I didn't they establish last year that he has like it's the you know there's oh, several thought... nights of full moon that he can take advantage of aren't there? 
I don't I mean, know. I mean, I know there is like the full moon, but like the difference between the day before and the day after a full moon is kind of, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's magic, so it doesn't have to obey any kind of logic or sense. But I wonder if he's got more than just one night every 28 days. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's not just when the moon's out. The moon has to be like... Full and showing through yeah, the clouds. Yeah, and, and, and hitting him right in the face. Yeah. Like, I wonder if he just stayed in a dark closet. I mean, he was in the basement when... Or if they went to the bar that didn't have a sunroof. <laughs> Moonroof. Moonroof. Because uh, his appetite leads us to the night. Mm-hmm. Um, yum, yum. He has to eat that moon up. Uh, okay, so is there anything else you want to talk about with Ethan's plot? No. Okay. Let's move to Vanessa and Dr. Sweet and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, Vanessa goes back to Dr. Seward's office and has a very awkward conversation with Renfield about Tennyson's bells. <laughs> like, okay. Jesus, dude, maintain. Right. Like, no one made you eat a whole bowl of mushrooms and go in the work. If you're going to do that kind of thing, the least you can do is keep your shit together enough to not to make the client's uncomfortable. Like this right. is the conversation I'm having with my employee if it's if it's Renfield. <laughs> It'd be better just to not talk or make eye contact. Sure. No one said you had to show up at work high off like a quart of vampire blood. He didn't have any. He just got some taken out, I think. Mm. See, I think it's uh I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Okay. That's how that's how uh Dracula controls his prey. Mm-hmm. It's a little you know, true blood essentially. He's uh, getting him getting him hooked on V. Um, but, uh, so this conversation, she has her meeting and Dr. Seward wants to talk about, uh, her sins because that seems like, you know, this relationship and being alienated with God has been affecting Vanessa. And she's also got wax recording cylinders that she's going to record everything on the tape of the day, Yep. which Vanessa is not a big fan of. And I'm not either because this is going to go right to, uh, friendfield Dracula. And it does. Yep. Uh, uh, so bad that it makes Dr. Seward take up smoking again. Sure, sure. And also, like, the scene, the look on her face when Vanessa left, like, she was truly shaken. Sure, but Renfield also said that he doesn't believe the doctor believes her. So is oh, she that's... shaken because she thinks this woman is so disturbed? I think that must be. Because yeah. you can think, like, Vanessa sets this all up and is like, hey, look. Uh, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to curl your nose hairs and you're not going to be able to get a good night's sleep. So you know she's talked about the devil and the vampire. I mean, I don't know how, what, and what detail, but she's definitely talked about these things that go bump in the night. Right. But yeah, no, I think that if, you know, number one, Renfield could be wrong. Number two, she probably just thinks, oh, wow, this woman is disturbed. Right. She needs to go to Bedlam. Yeah, that's what I believe. (laughs) Uh, What else we want to talk about? We, uh, she... At the result of this um, conference, Dr. Seward says, go do something that you think might make you happy, which she goes to the zoological exhibits and goes to visit Dr. Sweet during one of his nature talks that he gives to Bored Housewives because he's got an unexplicable animal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeff Goldblum type magnetism. Quite a presumption there to think that they're just Bored Housewives. Okay, there they there are no such thing as bored housewives back then. These are rich socialites, bored or, socialites, or their students. But I'm I'm just saying that they're 100 percent female. They were making a point out of that. Yes, 
or well, you disagree? No, I'm not saying they're they're not making a point about that but to presume anything okay. about them besides them all being female and at this lecture. And hot for Dr. Sweet? That was the whole point of my thing. Everything else is just being funny. Oh, well, uh, there seems to be one person in particular that's really moist about it. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Scorpions. Like, it's, you know, teacher's pet syndrome. Like, those women must have been throwing so much shade as she's just like, oh, it's a scorpion. And he's also next, softballing yeah, him. Next week, he's going to have just a desk full of scorpions that the women have brought into him. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to lob softballs at this woman. I was talking about dogs and foxes and wolves, but fuck it. Scorpions, because <laughs> I just want her to regurgitate the shit. I don't remember her name, but I want her to see how much she remembers about the lecture I gave her last week. Right. What's the deal with him not remembering her name? I think he's putting her on. You think just it's a power move? Seem like a bumbling idiot. Oh, it's a deception thing. Or or the kind of thing where you pretend like you weren't that interested just to make them want it more. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I've I uh, I've got I don't know. I've got lots of different thoughts about it, but I don't have any proof as of yet. Okay. Um so I guess we'll go with your interpretation. Uh, she then he he talks a mess about they talk about their literary and historical figures alternatively. Uh, he talks about how he's uh, inspired by Jules Verne's Captain Nemo and fifty thousand twenty thousand leagues under the sea rather, mm-hmm. and she's fascinated by Joan of Arc and how she had this pure devotion to God that it didn't matter that she came to a bad end. She was still happy that she, she believed had, she had the faith and that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right she's leaning up against a jukebox and clapping her hands <laughs> shaking her butt yep <laughs> uh, she decides to be very forward for a Victorian <laughs> woman she's such as herself bold she's she's bold as brass and she invites him on a mysterious date Ooh. that turns out to be some kind of proto cinema where they had some kind of uh, you know uh, a kaleidoscope type puppet show in front of a candle projection system yeah uh i thought that was pretty cool yeah that was really interesting i was fascinated i wish they would show just like an hour of them doing that yeah (laughs) just just showing not the picture itself but them operating the picture i'm fascinated to see how they did that yeah because the waves were him just moving a thing back and forth but how do you make the submarine come in and the guy pop out yeah, like, I mean, me. was that just like a performance art? Like that's like a shadow, uh, some kind of shadow boxing, um, you know, like a puppet play? Or that just was like a... Because everyone seemed like it was a technological marvel, too. It was like in color and that it was so brightly, you know, done. I, I don't know. But it was interesting to see the evolution from that to silent cinema where you still had people playing music and whatnot. Right. So then they had synchronized talkies and now it's just, you know, all one deal. Yeah, now you get three-hour adventure movies. There you go. Uh, But I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, Then she invites him for coffee, which we all know is seriously just, you know, a naked invitation to fuck. Right. Uh, She is going to rinse the Ethan, all that dog smell out of her hair. Yep. And roll up into some Swisher Sweet. And he says, I'm going to have to take a rain check because I got to go do vampire shit. And she's like, a ta-ta. And she, I, I think it, also he does a great job of softening the blow. He doesn't explain his vampire shit or what he's off to do. He just says, hey, but I really enjoyed my evening with you, and I can't wait to see you again. Yep, and he gives her a very meaningful kiss on the hand. Um, my notes here, as they were written, as it was happening, very tongue-in-cheek say, he passes on coffee so he can turn into a Dracula. <laughs> Thinking that my theory was totally debunked. 
No, no. <laughs> because there's st- he's still having these other guys tail her. Yeah. What is that all about? So, like, I think there's some... Is there's... that just to make sure that they're, like, funneling her into and out of the places she needs to be? I think, like, yeah, the... they're suggesting that this whole thing... Now, did like you... Like, the guy handing her the ribbon? Yeah. Is that what led her to go into the zoological society? Well, so, I read a very interesting theory, okay. and I know that this zoological institute is a real place in in Ireland, I think it is. Um, but it's certainly not, I don't think, in London... And there's an interesting theory about, like, you know, the old abandoned kind of warehouse-looking thing that's got multiple levels of terraces, that that's where uh, Dracula meets with his children in Renfield? Yes. Some people are saying that this is, like, all in Vanessa's mind, that the zoological center is actually that bombed-out, shitty place that, that, that Dracula is enchanting her mind to make it seem like it's this other deal. So nothing in there is real. Because otherwise, you got to believe that this Dracula is playing this extremely long con where he goes to this prestigious university and heads this program to the extent that everyone knows his name. They're doing all this kind of taxidermy, and he's giving all these speeches just to get close to Vanessa or to put himself in this position. that's just what he does, and Vanessa's his latest target. That's just something hmm. he does. Because that's the thing I don't know. I mean, a everyone, hobby or whatever. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that in the books, Dracula's from Transylvania. What? Yeah. So, but I, I'm like, you never know with this show how much of the book they're actually taking from inspiration and how much. So you're right. It could be that he just happens to be a vampire who's hiding out as a zoolo- zoological doctor. Right. And then leading his own little beasties around the city at night to collect people for him. Yeah. And then he got wind of... Mina mm-hmm. and the other Dracula and well, but who so, Vanessa Ives was or maybe the devil contacted him directly. Well, that's the thing. I do think that Dracula is like the, the, the granddaddy of all vampires in this universe. Yes, I assume so. And it does seem like they've got this duality thing set to where... I don't know if Dracula is an agent of the devil or he's actually opposing the devil. Like he, they're both like dueling for Vanessa's soul, right? Uh, that's the thing that I. But anyway, I thought it would, so. You don't like the theory much that he's in sort that he's just doing all this as a trick in her mind to make this abandoned factory look like a museum that she can be herded into and out of. Right. I mean, I guess it's because they established pretty clearly that this is like in Chinatown or whatever the that was a thing, right? No, the that, that's the BDSM snuff places in Chinatown. No, so was the uh, that's where Renfield went to get his his prostitute oh, sex on. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's very clearly in the back of whatever okay, facility so that is. Okay, so this is all that's the they're they're making that super the super sketchy area of town. Yeah, and this is pretty close to Doctor Seward's office, which so. is not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right. So it's possible, but I just am. Okay. Not on that train. All right. Uh, it's either continuity error or they're just not. It's not what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else do you want to talk about with them? Uh, with those two? You got Renfield very creepily and, you know, gleefully going over Vanessa's confessions and then going and giving it to uh, Dracula, who turns out to be uh, Dr. Sweet. Yes. That's the th- Okay, that's the other thing. is like this guy's characterization as Dr. Sweet. Like, I understand that, you know, like Gary Oldman played a very charming version mm-hmm. of Dracula in the movie ram stoker's dracula but this guy is like almost silly sweet 
Like, his name is Dr. Sweet, in mm-hmm. fact. He's just such a bubbly, kind personality. There's nothing creepy or really even seductive about it. He's just a straight-up nerd. That's the other thing that bothered me initially about him being Dracula. Is like, man, it doesn't seem like there's any darkness at all there. This is all vanilla Sunday. There's no fudge. Aw, nobody's ever manipulated you. <laughs> <laughs> just, he hasn't caught on to me yet. Yes, yeah, say <laughs> Don't just tell you. anyone. Yes, that's generally how it works. In my opinion. <laughs> okay, so like... <laughs> you just present a very, very different person or the kind of person that she would But he's find keeping that act up even when she's not around. Like, he's like super nice to that taxi. That guy did... I'm going to say it. He did a shitty job of mounting that tiger. That tiger looks like he's got the smile of a four-year-old that's figuring out how to use their facial muscles. Just and, how he and he There's comes and is so like, much you, you know can what? Do. You didn't quite nail it. Maybe fuck with the eyes a bit. This is a whole fucking... F- You're going to have to start from ground zero, but I'm too nice a vampire to tell... He was so nice to that guy. And like he, I and- said, if this is just his living, if this is just a career he's made so that he can travel or get dead animals or have people from different countries coming in... Pull down girls like Vanessa. <laughs> so that he can eat them. I don't know what the game plan is. I don't think we're meant to understand that yet, but I... It, it's, it'd be unlike it's, Penny Dreadful to not explain it. Do you think it's possible that Dr- Dracula is supposed to be more of a sympathetic character than maybe we would suppose? It's possible. That like he'll be the least bad of her demonic suitors? <laughs> well, I mean, think about the whole story of Dracula's origins. What's the whole reason why he became Dracula to begin with? Because he loved, loved too much. Too much. Yep. What was her? I think he's a very sympathetic character. Yeah. Just time ravages the mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up the Dracula plot, except for we talk about... Uh, I thought it was interesting that Renfield went to go get some blood from him and to share the, her secrets. And when Dracula was feeding him, he said, you are the bl- flesh of my flesh and blood of my blood, which is what Adam said during the creation of Eve in the Bible. Right. Which kind of marks him as... I mean, there's a lot of things that mark him. Like, the way he was, like, kneeling in front of him at waist level, I thought there was a right, little bit of the, certainly... the standard penny dreadful psychosexual shit going on. I mean, there's certainly a parallel to draw between him playing God with this guy and her hero being Joan of Arc. Yeah. And currently being without faith in her God. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think he's uh, he's in, he's enthralling this guy, and it'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing with her. Um the other thing I thought, because I thought Jules Verne was like a little too contemporary for Dracula to be into, mm-hmm. but turns out he wrote uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 1870. It was translated to English in 1873, and he's one of those geniuses but when that was, was it properly translated a... to Transylvania. <laughs> it was Transylvanian. <laughs> um, the, he, and I guess uh, Jules Verne is one of those geniuses that was properly appreciated in his time. So it's, it would oh. not be uncommon for, like, that would be essentially like, uh, you know, Dan Brown or Tom Clancy or... Dan Brown? Yeah. That's the, the first Code. one you think I, of. I'm thinking of some pulpy <laughs> bullshit that everyone's into. It's uh, the... E.L. James or Smith. What's her name? Oh, that's a little too much. <laughs> I was going for, uh, who's the person who wrote Harry Potter? Stephanie Meyer. There you go. Stephanie Meyer wrote Harry <laughs> Potter. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. And so it's kind of George like George R. R. Martin, one of your favorite authors. Yeah, that'd be another good one. So what about the guy who wrote the uh, Aubrey Matron series? Patrick O'Brien? Yeah. I don't know. He was... How about some authors that you actually like? But he goes with Dan Brown. <laughs> wow. 
You will not shame me on this podcast. <laughs> I am, I'm right now drawing a scorpion in blood in the center <laughs> of the table and making arcane gestures of protection towards you. He is. He's doing it with whiskey. It's fascinating. <laughs> That's the way we do it in House Bald Move. Uh, I feel like we've left out something. Um, probably a lot of things. But on the other did hand... Did we talk about how Frankenstein is pining for Lily outside of her window? Yeah, we did. And how that seems like a really big walk back of oh, their character. there's some nice moments oh, of we, Vanessa and Malcolm writing each other. Yeah. The, uh, he's he's saying, I'm, I'm I'm seasick on a tramp to America. And she's like, oh, say hi to Ethan when you see him. <laughs> Essentially. And right. also she's not crazy anymore. Exactly. I enjoy how all of these storylines in one way or another, just like they have so perfectly last season and the season before, are entwined but yeah. separate in their own ways. Yeah. Like you can see the Jekyll and Frankenstein story merging with the Dorian Gray and mm-hmm. Lily story Indeed. soon. And it's fascinating. There are two main things that we didn't touch on. One is Inspector Rusk is not giving up his charge. He, in the name of the Queen, rolls tough on this federal marshal. Oh, yes. Also, did you know that he only has one arm? Yeah. Uh-huh. They I established thought he that. just, he was just, didn't use it much. <laughs> I mean, because they don't really, sh- I guess you wouldn't, but it, he's just always got his arm by his side while he's smoking or writing or doing whatever. No, they had some I kind never of, noticed. They, they had a conversation about it in one of the seasons, but um, it have been, I guess it wasn't he introduced last season. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I thought it was. There's a couple things I liked about this. Number one is they instantly like he's he's, he's an English detective, but they instantly give him these like one or two lines that make him like okay. When you see him getting up to some cowboy shit, it's going to be cool because he was roping and riding into British expeditionary forces, and he can shoot from a saddle and do all that shit, and it's no big deal. And also, he's an expert hunter as well. Um, so that was cool. Uh, number two, he said, I'm going to bring Mr. Talbot the heel, which, like, oh, love the dog jokes. Yeah. Love the dog jokes. Dog puns. He could do it all day. Uh, and the fact that he kind of showed up the marshals by pointing to the map and being like, I think he's going to go to the town that's on the border of the Talbot Range, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. The, uh, It'd be cast, funny if, if they said, <laughs> "There's it's uh, 1896 or whatever year 1892. it is. 1892. There's only three last names in this town. There's a third of the population. Could be yeah, Talbot. it's like, son, do you know how many fucking Talbots we got in this territory? Look how giant that range is. There's so <laughs> many. It's Talbots, O'Neills, and Mastersons. Okay, uh, and my mom's a Talbot, and my dad's a Master. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we didn't talk about is Frankenstein and Doctor Jekyll. We didn't talk about them? They start by having... Well, I made passing reference to the injections, but they oh, start yeah. by having this awkward conversation about uh, racism, basically, in institutions of the day. Uh, we get some interesting backstory about Dr. Jekyll's father, who is an English nobleman who abandoned his exotic uh, whore, as he calls his mother, in India. I don't think she was a whore. No, no, but he was he was being cruel to his well, not right. Cruel. He was speaking through his father's voice. Yes, he was being ironic about it, and he says that uh, his mother has this tragic story that you know after she lost her virginity to this guy and he left her with nothing that but her a people, baby. but a baby, uh, her people turned against her and made her the untouchable cast in in, in uh, India, and then she died of leprosy. How ironic! Mm-hmm. Literally untouchable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he talks a whole mess about the duality of man and the, the angel and devil and the light and dark that dwells with all that pull that energizes our lives before he's like, yeah, before Frankenstein kind of gives him the what look and he's like, oh, never mind. That's just kind of my silly belief. <laughs> uh, but he says he's going to take him to his lab that's in Bedlam. This is a real, uh, mental institution. How cool was this shot of them? In front of the window, mm-hmm. and just how the the bedlam and bedlam bedlam the bedlam and Bethlam mm-hmm. and the people walking in front of it, how it was all grainy and foggy, sure. and just I just thought that was such a great. shot. I thought the shot of them just like going into the bowels of the hospital was really cool too. Oh yeah, the show is beautiful. Uh-huh. All of it. And then he's like, they make a big deal about how it's in the basement, but somehow he's got the penthouse suite of the basement that has this enormous skylight. Right, it's just I'm a like, giant... Are you really in the basement? His lab is so giant that you have to go into the basement to get to the door. <laughs> right. It takes up so much space. Yeah. No, but it is the coolest fucking mad scientist laboratory. Yeah. Like, I you don't thought, even you know thought science. Fra- I want that. <laughs> you, you thought Frankenstein's laboratory was cool? No. It's like a bullshit version Right. Uh, it's the it's the eighties TV sitcom version of the, you know, big picture production that is Dr. Jekyll's laboratory. Right, yeah. He's got rolling ladders, he's got he's got vials and flasks of, of tinctures and potions and Yeah. It's everything you want in a laboratory as a child. Now uh, the, the other thing and is a mad scientist. So the I, the question I have is with uh well I got let's let's talk about this scene more let's talk because about it. Um, Frankenstein muses that, hey, I'm going to have to bring Lily to this place. And she's like super strong and kind of a handful. And, but also he's like saying, I don't know if I feel right about fucking with her. Like I murdered her, then I brought her back to life and then I gave her this monster and then she reject. Like, I don't know if I have the right to interfere into her life more is what I got from this. But, uh, they- Jekyll's like, eh, fuck it. What we want to do for love. Oh, well, yeah, it's more on the theme of duality, I think, because that's mm. what he wants more than anything, but he's thinking about what? her. Oh, whoa. That's the, that That leads down a lot of dark paths. You're thinking about what the woman wants. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just where madness lies. Uh-huh. So he's thinking about how, I don't know, how it would change her. Uh-huh. Um, does he want to change her? Does he want her to be happy? But does he want her more than he wants her to be happy? Yeah. I mean, that's always been Frankenstein and even John Clare's arc is that they just don't give a shit about Lily slash Brona other than is a, you know, that it's it's literally objectifying her. She's the the mother and lover that they desperately want, but feel like they don't deserve and can never have. Right. So they have to take it. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, that's the other thing is like, it was all trickery and deception and it, it really gross trickery and deception at that, the shit that they, they pulled on her last year. Right. Exactly. So, do you think that the showrunners had a great, a good idea of where they were going to take Lily or they're like, oh man, we made her this kind of like arch villainous. Uh, this is a much more interesting idea. Let's walk that back and deploy plan B in the off season. No, I think it might be my opinion that. They knew all along that they were going to start with bringing her back and her pretending like she didn't have her memories and then to to slowly reveal to them, to the people that tried to use her, that she did Mm -hmm. um, and make her this really strong character. Yeah. As far as her pairing up with Dorian, I don't know how much of that was planned, but... I'm just saying it seemed like last year she was going to wage the... 
she's going to lead a war of immortals against all of mankind. Oh, you're talking about how she ended up last season. Whereas this season, it's like she's waging a very a war against a very mankind, a very particular part of mankind. Mm-hmm. At that, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm on board with that. If you want to kick the John Clare and Frankenstein's and pimps and you know rough johns and all that kind of shit of the of the day the jack the rippers be my guest Mm -hmm. i don't have a problem with that if you want to kill everyone in the world and usher about a new race of undead uh you know ghoulish things then i don't know about that but i yeah i feel like i'm down with her world domination plan now yeah i agree all right, I think, and then uh, Frankenstein says, "Well, if I'm going to drag her here, I want a demonstration of this." And Jekyll obliges him with by a very taking... gentlemanly Scotsman. Yep, yep, uh, totally. He he came in with the soccer hooligan, and he left with uh, <laughs> a road scholar. I I don't know. Like that's I guess proof positive that's going to work. Well, I mean, how how long are they measuring this test for? That's true. Or this is, I want to see and, what he looks like 15 minutes later, 30 minutes later, an hour. Yeah, and with, you know, you know, everyone knows the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I've, what? How does it end? <laughs> I don't know. I've been wondering when they're going to get to the... I mean, I know it mostly from the Looney Tunes, you know, though. Is that right, the exactly. Devil. Yep. Uh, but I, I don't know if... if the, is Hyde already in existence? I saw some people theorizing that uh, Hyde's going to turn out to be his old man. No. Like it's going to be like I met like that kind of thing where he's experimenting on his father, but maybe also himself. I I don't know. I think that's possible. I mean, just speculating right now, I don't think that it's going to be Lily because why she got her own plan in the works if they're just going to make her become this Dr. Jekyll Hyde thing. That's another player out there doing things, sure. The experiment gone wrong. Uh Why would... Jekyll start experimenting on himself when he has plenty of people to experiment on. Right. Well, because he's got Um, his own dark side he wants to master. So the father would be very interesting. Yeah. And also, the other thing that made me think that he hasn't started experimenting on himself as Hyde yet is that he makes a point about Frankenstein's injections, injections, his track marks and whatnot. And I feel like if he's shooting himself up on a daily basis, that would be hypocritical well no i mean no because he i mean he might think he's taking medicine whereas you know frankenstein is just abusing drugs but frankenstein doesn't know that i feel like you know if he rolls up his sleeves to get the work i'm like oh my god you're as bad as i it'll it's it just be i don't that feels like it'd be dumb i don't know if i want to see it is what i'm saying so that's another piece of evidence i guess that he's not to that point yet but wouldn't surprise me if he is. That's really but all. I like the father theory. That's interesting. I do like the father figure. I can't, you know, it'd be a definite change due to Frankenstein and mythos, but or the Jekyll mythos. But they've done those kind of changes with Frankenstein as well. So right. Um, I'm I'm down for that. That's all I got for the main uh, discussion. Do you have any feedback, or would you like to bring something else up? I have some feedbacks. Okie doke. I don't have anything else to say about the episode proper, but. Proper. Uh, the forums have gone wild. Wild. Yep. We don't have any emails. This the moon week. came out. <laughs> we got hairy and violent. Yep. <laughs> and uh, everyone let loose their dual nature. Okay. This first one is from Rennie. There's a little bit of last week, a little bit of this week. Okay. Um, last week, 
They said, I've been meaning to reread some of the horror classics for a while and thought in between Penny Dreadful episodes would be a perfect time. I started on Dracula last night. One thing that jumped out right at the beginning is that Dracula has the power to control wolves. Mm-hmm. Do you think this will come into play on the show? Ethan has been such a huge help in defeating enemies so far. Will Dracula be the one he's useless against? Interesting. I mean, he's got to get across the ocean first. That's a lot of doggy battling. We got a got, lot of season left. He's got this witch riding his jock. Like, there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a very fascinating theory. No, totally. Totally. Well, also that his appetites lead towards the night, which also connects him to Dracula. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of did, there's, has anybody had problems with Dracula walking around in the daylight? Because the Bram Stoker version of Dracula, he didn't his it depressed his powers like they weren't as great. He couldn't like manifest himself as fog or turn right. into animals or shit like that. But he was weaker, but by no means incapacitated or destroyed by sunlight in the books. I don't have a problem. Okay, me either. But I know there's a lot of people that... that Would they... you prefer that he glittered in sunlight? <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck no. I'm just saying that that the vampires having a weakness of light has gotten a lot of traction in the modern times. Right. Not an OG thing. <laughs> uh, Rennie's feedback from this week is, What's with Ethan's Apache connection? What the fuck was that weird show Dorian and Lily went to? Were they really going to kill that girl? Is this a real thing that existed? Some kind of murderous spectator sport? Man, and I thought dog fighting was bad. Uh, we discussed that a little bit. I definitely think that. Also, there's another thing I didn't mention. Do you think that the men in the half circle, the guys that eventually died, mm-hmm. do you think it was shocking they didn't have a problem with a woman being there? I think that I would feel a little uncomfortable as I this think, gentlemanly man yeah, in the presence of a lady seeing this kind of show. I bet they're like, by Jove, I knew it. They're all they're all crazy about this shit. I mean, I don't know. Probably. No, that, 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 no I, I totally think they'd get off on it. The fact that there's a woman there. Well, you're too progressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is I just know what it's like to be a horny one. dude with a lot of... Uh, you know, well, shameful sexual proclivities. Ask me with the library card says, you guys were totally right and I was totally wrong. <clears throat> I'm going to issue a slight correction. Cecily was totally right. No, I was not on the board yet. This is all her. <laughs> uh, Dr. Sweet is Dracula. When I watched the first episode for the first time, I thought Dr. Sweet was Dracula and I watched the credits and I was like, nah, because of reasons X, Y, and Z. But I knew as soon as Dr. Sweet started getting a bunch of screen time in this episode that he was Dracula. Along with the whole nocturnal predator thing and him va- vanishing. It's a thin air at the end of his date with Vanessa. I'm guessing he turned into a bat. <laughs> it actually made just the, hailed a cab. <laughs> the final reveal a bit anticlimactic. And I was a little bit disappointed, but only a little. I thought it was interesting that Dr. Sweet mentioned never traveling abroad or on a ship. Mm. Because if I remember my Dracula correctly, it was a shipwreck that brought Dracula into Lucy's sphere. He killed off the crew members of the ship one by one until it was only the captain left or something to that effect. Of course, he could have been lying, but it made my ears perk up. Well, yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the book for Dracula comes from Transylvania, shipped in a coffin full of his, his dirt native soil. Right. And he does. It's it, like the ship that comes into town was more or less a ghost. It didn't shipwreck. It just was like a ghost ship. Right. Uh, that uh, you know, he had slowly preyed on the people across the ocean. 
I, I it just could just be again this this Dracula has been here for a long time and has deeply embedded him. If this is a real place, he's deeply embedded himself into this right fantasy or the, you know the, the, this alter ego. So it could be that he just is Doctor Sweet. Dracula is his alter ego. Right. Uh, it's a complete f- kind of a flip or reimagining of the, the book story. But you know, we don't have enough information to completely rule out any possibility. He could just be lying. Mm-hmm. hiding his thick Transylvanian accent. <laughs> they continue, I think the Penny Dreadful, I think that Penny Dreadful really nails the feminism. I love how Vanessa is a smart, resourceful, fierce lady, but she is still a woman of her time. And it doesn't feel cliche when she needs the men in her life. It feels natural and real. It feels completely earned when we see her at her lowest lows and at her victorious highs. Lily is kind of on the other side of the spectrum, a fantasy character that a lot of women wish they could be, but she's still imbued with personality and dimensionality. She's not one of those cardboard strong woman tropes you see floating all around TV and movies these days. No, it's, it is really, I think, interesting how that she is still a woman of her time. It's just that she's a woman of her time if she was resurrected as this super strong, unkillable, immortal thing. Right. And, but, you know, she still likes to dance and likes to wear pretty dresses. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, they're, you, I mean, these characters are all unrealistic for their time, but they're also kind of individually, well, you know, maybe if you were an American soldier who got werewolfed, you would have a flexible sexual outlook on life. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to become a man beast once a <laughs> month. Yep. In 2016, you can be a beast all the time. Yeah. They even have bathrooms for you. You have a, yeah, you got a, a, a what, what, what would they call that? Beastie bathroom. Beastie bathroom? Yep. On the flip side, I love the exploration of men's viewpoints and perspectives on women, particularly through Frankenstein. Frankenstein is operating under the false pretense that Lily ever was a docile, simple girl. I don't believe she ever truly was that. I believe she remembered her past fairly early on and was putting on a mask for Frankenstein and Caliban, switching her persona as needed, but Frankenstein sees her as he wants to see her, whether or not it is what Lily wants, whether or not it matches reality. Frankenstein also still sees Lily as an object, something that he can possess and domesticate, something that rightfully belongs to him. Frankenstein believes all these sexist things, and yet he is a sympathetic character and a protagonist. He is not a stereotypically bad man that uses and abuses women, and he has much respect for Vanessa. He's a very complicated and realistic portrayal of how sexism actually is in real life. We kind of touched on that a bit. Agreed. So um, there's lots of super sexist dudes that think they are, like, way respectful to women. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, I mean... my life every day. It's funny because he fell in love with this very simple version of Brona. This girlish, you know, woman that had didn't have her memories. She did and... sell him something, didn't she? Huh? She, she did kind of sell him something, didn't she? How? Well, she slept with him that one night when it was storming, and but she I'm was... saying he took adva- He was taking advantage. He was taking advantage of her. Like I don't. I've gone back and forth about how soon I think she recovered her memories and wasn't right. just fucking with him. It could have been she was starting to fuck with him there. But I think at some point she had this genuine amnesia, memory loss. And he totally took advantage of that. And he, that's what he fell in love with. This Brona was never that meek, you know, simple character. No, not in her living life. And that's the kind of hellish thing that he wants to 
return her to this simple subservient state that is not her true nature. Right. Um. So yeah, I it's it's pretty dark when you unpack it all. Do you think that Lily and Ethan will ever meet again? What would that do to him? I don't know because I thought if I mean it seems like it'd be bizarre for them not to come back, um, and and know each other again. But on the other hand, if that was going to go down, last year's ball, you know, we talked about how that was like such a near miss, right? Um, of like so many different ships in the night. I, I that seems like that would be the place to do it. I d- does all characters have to come back in the conflict with each other, or is it kind of interesting that? They're all connected a little bit, but they all also kind of have their own thing. Right, exactly. They're just weaving in and out of each other's storylines in a very believable way. Um, I like that about this London. It feels big. Like, yes. even though you've got these people that are acquaintances, they're having their own adventures and they don't have to be right on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, Gretelby says, sweet Dracula theory from last week and what a great call. I, just, I left in all the congratulations on getting that right. <laughs> well, I didn't give you quite your five minutes to gloat, so uh, fair is fair. You don't hire Christian Camargo to play just a bumbling friend to Vanessa. I googled Christian Camargo to see what I re- else I recognized him from, and he looks so very different without that mustache. Really? I was shocked that that was the same person. What's he been in? Uh, he's been in Dexter. Okay. And no. he was in... Another thing. Also, he was in Twilight. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't recognize him from that, but he, that was one of was his he, like top three roles. Was he one of those uh, ruling vampires? I don't know. The he had, ones a, he that... had a, a Italian name. L L L L L dear. Yeah, the Leguismos. Yeah, Leguismo. That was his name. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what he does with Dracula, considering his soft demeanor. It's a pretty big departure from the brooding intensity in most films. Yeah. However, I wish... And also, I don't find him very magnetic from a sexual standpoint. Now, maybe his charms are lost to me, but he seems more more of a Ross Geller type than a, you know, see me now kind of type. Mm, I disagree. Really? Yes. You think he's got a Jeff Goldblum kind of nerd magnetism, huh? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Put him on the the Goldblum level. Yeah. You're crazy. Kind of insane. I'm fucking attracted to Jeff Goldblum. Everyone's attracted to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and no, everyone's not attracted to QED. Rest my case. <laughs> okay. Um. However, I wish there was consistent mythos or arc to pull from. I guess there's three levels of vampire. The show's vampire lore isn't really like consistent. Insect body or type. Or... Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that guy they cut open that's in sure. every opening credits. Yeah, the carapace guy. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I mean, because like, I guess it makes sense to me because one of my favorite current pieces of trash literature I'm reading is the Dresden Files. That's trash? Well, I'm just saying it's like not great literature. It's just pulpy fun. Uh, and they have various houses of vampires that um, they all feed off some kind of essence of, of the humanity, but they're different in like the, the, the you know, you've got it, it's kind of the explanation. It's interesting because I think what uh, Jim Butcher's doing in the Dresden Files is like explaining why the vampire has got so many faces, why they have a seductive face, why they have this 
Nosferatu face, why they have the like transforming into vampire bat kind of like why they have like it's those are all different types of vampires rather than like one particular race of vampires like the way a lot of fiction does it. So I guess I've just always considered that these are different houses or types of vampires. And that's that's how I like to see it, too, at least in this particular case, is that uh, Dracula has gotten wind from the original vampire stories. We saw Mm -hmm. that Vanessa is some creature to be feared or maybe... Or a prize to be chased. Something like that. So that I guess that would make sense in the sense that he's not doing the long con. It's just that he's been doing some kind of con for a while to find victims or whatever. And now Vanessa's his new prize. Or maybe they're all connected and he's the master vampire and those insect-like vampires were just uh, a a less advanced form or uh, like a younger form. You know, if he's the progenitor of the species and maybe these street urchin waif types are not full vampires. They're just, you know, thralls that he's made. Yeah. Because I think that's something in the, Dra- in the Dracula lore, too, is, like, you can be fed vampire blood and be fed upon, and then you will turn into a vampire when you're dead, but until you actually die, you're still, like, this, you know, half-human, half-vampire state. You're not fully vampire until you die and, and are resurrected. That I don't know, but I'm taking I mean, your word for it. There's a little bit of True Blood in that, too. True Blood <laughs> does has its own kind of, like, riff on vampires. Yeah, it does. Elisa says, I really enjoyed this episode. The big reveal of Dracula. Damn, Vanessa can't catch a break. No, she cannot. I really enjoyed Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> However, together, or working together, but man, that sanitarium and lab was creepy. Is Lily the most warped, screwed-up character in Penny Dreadful? Uh, Hecate and Chandler is a big yuck. Sorry, I just don't like them together. The whole scene where Wes Studi smoked some good stuff, then appeared in Chandler's dream was very cool. Did we not talk about that either? Yeah, we talked about the spirit quest and their fight. Okay. Yeah. I didn't uh, talk about smoking good good. I figured it was just tobacco, but uh, maybe it was blazing peyote. Up. <laughs> peyote. My guess regarding vampires or Dracula is that he was indeed a part of season one and probably got all of his intel on Vanessa from Mina. Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, because there was, wasn't that like um, early in season two or late season one where she was envisioning Mina? It was always like there was this master, like the more powerful thing that was kind of keeping her in thrall. Yeah, but then we we found that head vampire. What? But it was the same killed. Yeah. Okay. I thought maybe there was room to interpret that as being Dracula. (laughs) Been a long time since I've seen season one. Yeah. Um, Nathan says, firstly, I'll just say that if you guys ruin the season just by choosing to podcast a show, I hate you guys forever. Can Aww. we please break the curse of Jim Jones? I, I don't. I, I mean, you have to have the gym. Why is he cursing my shows? I don't know. Why is he cursing your shows? I mean, I don't know. Because <laughs> he's a hateful, hateful man. Okay. He's jealous. Um, anyway, all y'all are harping on about Dracula, but for me, it's all about Lily. She's taking care of these streets, Punisher style, and damn, is she good at it. I'm really looking forward to her and Dorian standoff against emo King Frankie and bipolar bandit. <laughs> All I want is a murder of immortals <laughs> standing off against an army of crazed hybrid warriors. Victor may spend his time feeling guilty, but Jekyll is surely going to be the devil on his shoulder. It's literal blood bowl. Get hype. 
Mmm. Mm, uh, got some Game of Thrones in my opinion, dreadful. On the other hand, America sigh. Now it may be just the Brit in me. Oh, I should have been doing this in a British accent. I it might be it. a Brit in my. All right, we're know. not doing it. <laughs> but this jump to America doesn't feel like Penny Dreadful. When I think Penny Dreadful, I think of dark, dank, and dreary settings. Possibly with storms and imposing buildings on all sides. In America, there's too damn much sunlight. I threw the damn in there. All this color and bright deserts that does not feel gothic or dark or mysterious. Instead, we have the buddy cop adventures of Wolfman and Bitch Witch, <laughs> who literally is burning our ships to the ground. Seriously, Vanessa is going to kill this girl once she gets out of Scorpion Studies 101. That's true. You guys are great. You're smart. You're loyal. Don't ruin the show. Trying desperately not to. <laughs> Wishing, hoping, hoping on a star. Yes. Uh, I don't know. So I, I guess that is a little bit of uh, Brit chauvinism. But uh, have you seen Bone Tomahawk? Uh, because recently, yes. No, I'm talking to this this gentleman. That's a good example of the darkness that can be found in the American Southwest. It's not all like you know. There's there's uh, the desert gets cold at night. It does dark and cold. I mean, it got dark when the moon came out and he killed a bunch of people. Sure. So I mean, you're right. It's not well, going to have turn of the century. I mean, that I don't, did we talk about this last week about how when they had that really awesome C, uh, CGA CGA CG <laughs> I shot of everybody going down the River Thames and it's just everything belching coal and the smog and like it looked like the hellhole that Tolkien was worried that the Shire would become during the War of the Ring. Like it's like this is what Saruman and Sauron have done when the orcs have run amok. It's a hellscape. It's not going to be that because there's just not that much smoke. But I mean, it's American Southwest. It's still not exactly a heavily populated Mecca. But no, I think you can definitely tell a type of gothic story there. Right. There's uh, you know, some some horror and dread to be found in the the western lore. I yeah, I like, agree. Like there's some really freaky Native American shit, like the Nagaloshi and the Skinwalkers. There's a lot of really creepy uh the uh what what's that the uh, Wendigo myth of that's more of the north the uh Inuit tribes, but there mm-hmm. there's a lot of freaky crazy shit that that's to be mined from that culture. There's I hear there's a tribe up in Oklahoma that's cold and dead and dying. And they spawn werewolves through curses of yeah. some type. Yeah. Put so. that in your British pipe and smoke it. And your peace pipe and smoke it. Uh yeah. No, I I I I think that it'll be of a piece. I'm questioning how long we spend in America. Like, I guess I could see, like, the whole season goes down where you've got two parallel plots. No. The stuff in London and the stuff in America. Bring Ethan home. Free to Wolf? No, without my Ethan. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, that's, I'm I'm prepared for it, but I certainly would like to see him and Vanessa put back together. Not, like, together, but put back in contact before the end of the together season. Together with the eye roll thing that you just did. Uh-huh. Together, together. But it wouldn't be penny dreadful if anyone had a happy ending. So you're right. We're going to be stuck in America for an entire season. Yeah, I mean, that's the. that's the, they, they got this set up as a giant will they, won't they thing. And oh, like, they la- will. Just uh, let them do it. Well, it might be the end of the series when it happens. Might be the end of the series. All right, that's it. That's, that's, do you want more? I would love more. Well, I don't have any. We'll have to wait till next week. Yes. We'll be back then uh, around Tuesday night, as always. Uh, if you'd like to get that feedback in, it's Penny Earful, Tuesday one night. word, at baldmove.com, or on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, where we have a nice discussion each week. 
Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. Seeing you there. My name is Cecily. Bye bye. <laughs>